Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. There are definitely jobs out there, like Jackie was saying. And even if something's not being posted, if you're in the business and you have some restaurants that you really would like to work at, whatever position it may be, I encourage you to get aggressive. Do anything you need to to get your resume looked at by those owners or those chefs. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet, offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopel.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. I know what the data says, but I want to know what's really going on behind the scenes. Is anyone hiring right now? Is anyone using this as an opportunity for expansion? Few can offer more insight than Brad and Jackie from BMRS Hospitality Recruitment. They've been placing the best people with the best restaurants for almost two decades now. Today, we're going to take a glimpse into the present and future of the hospitality job market. We'll begin with Brad sharing the story of how he founded the company. I started the company about 16 years ago, and I had been working in restaurants since I was, like I said, very young. I started working at Spago when I was 16, baking bread and you know doing food prep. I worked in hotels. I worked in so many restaurants from San Francisco to LA, all different positions in, in operations um, and management. And a very, very well-known big restaurant publicist, her name was Joan Luther. She's no longer with us. But she was a friend of the family, and she had tried to get me to work with her. That didn't feel right. At the time, I was working at the Grill on the Alley as a server, making great money, you know, working lunches. I was working at another restaurant at night. It was great. And she said, Brad, you know, you've, you've worked in so many restaurants. You've grown up with all these chefs that have their own restaurants right now, such as people like Josiah, Citrin, Andrew Kirshner, Suzanne Gowen. You know, I, I grew up in L.A. working with these people and going to school with them. I went to high school with Carolyn Stein. She said, you know, so many people, you're so passionate. You, you, you know, you, um, you've worked in so many facets of the industry. You would be great putting people in jobs, being a recruiter. Why don't you do that? And I thought about it for a little while. And, you know, after a few days, I came back to her and said, you know what? Yeah, it'd be amazing. I've actually been doing that, you know, helping busboys and servers and, you know, find their next gigs, you know, for years. And I actually really love it. So basically that launched a company, that idea, and she, she was kind enough to put me in touch with a few clients, such as Susan Feniger and Mary Sue Milliken, Border Grill, which was one of my first clients, and they still are a client to this day. Real Food Daily was my first actual client placement. El Cholo, she put me in touch with. So anyway, I started working out of my son's bedroom, and I, I saw very, very quickly there was a very big need for a really great recruiter in L.A., Again, I was working out of my son's bedroom and slowly kept building things up. What year was that? That was 16 years ago. I, I made a really big placement with a guy named Eric Klein, who was coming from Spago at the time. 
we placed him at a restaurant in Beverly Hills called Maple Drive that had been there forever, but it was ready for a big rebirth. In between, literally in between serving Cobb salads at the grill on the alley, in the employee restroom, I closed a deal with Eric Klein getting the job at Maple Drive. Turns out he got, I think, a three-star review from Irene Verbilla at the LA Times. He actually became a food and wine best new chef. Um, he was invited to Aspen as all the food and wine best new chefs are. I actually went with him because we, we became pretty friendly. I went to Aspen food and wine that year. So I was able to, when that deal closed, um, within a few days of the, the restroom deal making at the grill on the alley, I quit that job. I dedicated my entire time to that, to recruiting. And I started looking for someone to hire uh, as a full-time associate with me. And I hired a woman named Sarah Christopher, who has been with us for about 14 and a half years. She just recently moved to Dallas with her family. So she's taking some time off right now, but she's still part of the family. And she probably will be joining us full-time you know, at the, when the time is right. So that's how it started. We moved into an office, you know, about a year and a half, two years into it in Santa Monica. That's when I hired Sarah. And we just sort of grew very slowly and methodically from that point. Well, and let's get granular. Jackie, can you talk to me about what, what you believe your niche is? Like, what, what service are you providing that, that makes the company unique? Sure, I mean, well, so we focus on hospitality recruitment. And we represent clients across the U.S. from fine dining restaurants to casual concepts, luxury hotels, country clubs, private chef clients. And we help place candidates in front and back of house positions at all levels. So general managers, director of operations, COOs, pastry chefs, culinary directors, executive chefs. So you name it at the management level. And our clients include Food and Wine Magazine, Best New Chefs, as, as Brad has said, and James Beard nominees and award winners, Michelin-starred chefs. You know, I met Brad probably around 2011 when I was in restaurant management, and he assisted me with my job searches at the time. And, you know, I, I actually always tell this story to our candidates because one of the things that we say is that we, and I think it makes us very unique, is that we always view our relationships with our candidates as long-term relationships. So we may not place someone in a position because we don't have the right opportunity at the time or they have may, have may have found a better fit on their own, but we really value the time we spend getting to know them. We value keeping in communication with them throughout the years. And I wasn't placed through BMRS back then, but we kept in touch. And many years later, I ended up working for Brad. And now six years in, here I am with him. You know, And I, I also really valued the integrity of the recruitment process and not just throwing candidates into positions because we want to make a placement, but rather because we've taken the time to get to know them and we really want to ensure that it's going to be a great fit both for them and for our clients. Well, let's flash forward to, to, to today. So let, let's assume it's March. The obliteration of the hospitality industry sent ripples uh, to not only the restaurant community, but the restaurant services community. What was your initial reaction to the pandemic? I mean, I think for us, it hit us so hard, you know, just like the restaurants. Um, It was scary to see it coming around the pike because you could see as we were having conversations with clients, sales were beginning to decline pretty rapidly. Reservations were going away. So I think we saw it on the horizon. And and when the restaurant closures were announced in March, um, as 
restaurants business went to zero, ours went to zero as well. But I think our first reaction was, you know, what can we do to help our clients during this time and our candidates? And I would say in that first week, I know I'm the, you know, I work heavily with the candidates and I would say Brad probably more so on the client side. But during that first week, the first thing we did was let's put together a list. Who are we reaching out to? We need to touch base with all our candidates. Are they okay? How are they feeling? Um, And more so just to let them know that we were there for them to have those conversations. And we've really continued that throughout these last several months. Brad, what did you do restaurant side? We, We really, really wanted to be a resource and just help in any way we can. We thought about doing, you know, some webinars and all that, but that was being done very quickly and very, very well by company, you know, by organizations like the James Beard Foundation, California Restaurant Association. They did a great job with that. So we really, really wanted to be there for them, for the clients and the candidates. So one thing I did was I basically started educating myself very, very heavily on things like the PPP loan, on business interruption insurance, and things that, number one, affected me, but also very much affected our clients. So I started an email list with all of our clients, the restaurant owners, okay, hundreds of them, and I would send very relevant information about PPP, business interruption insurance, um, you know, other, if there were some really, really important you know, webinars or seminars that were going on that would give really important information. I would send information on that, any very relevant articles. Um, and I was sending very detailed information, especially on the PPP. So I started getting a lot of phone calls from clients and friends about, oh, wait a second, I didn't really know about that. And how does that work? And this and that. So I was able to be pretty helpful to a bunch of clients, you know, giving them some advice about what's possible, what's not possible, benefits, you know, the downsides to doing it. As you know, you know, the the PPP loan, a lot of things changed in that first few months and they still changed up until a couple months ago. So, you know, it was nice to be able to be a resource. And, you know, again, a lot of these people are my friends. So, you know, we would be checking in with each other. I'd call them, they'd call me. I mean, it's been of course, it's been tough. The way that the industry has come together, it's, it's really, really enlightening. And it's just, it's incredible. The way that, for example, the, the IRC came together, the in- Independent Restaurant Coalition overnight, and what a big um, you know, lobbying force they've been. The way the California Restaurant Association has, has jumped into action too, and has helped with you know, getting all these, you know, I listened to Jot Condi on one of your podcasts, Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that they were, they've been very instrumental in getting all the sidewalk dining, you know, allowed. Alcohol, you know, restrictions have been eased so you could do takeout alcohol and all that. But again, it's just been, it's been amazing to see everybody, so many people come together and support each other and support the industry and support legislation that hopefully will happen. But on a personal level, you had to be scared shitless. I still am. Devastating. I mean, the reality of the situation is devastating. I mean, when you see even just the last few weeks, one day it's Tuamac closing for good. Today, broken Spanish. Broken Spanish. You know, I mean, Ray Garcia is a guy that I've known for 15 years. I brought him to Mammoth. I'm a big Mammoth person. And mm-hmm. I helped him with the Mammoth Food and Wine Festival for a few years. And we, we brought Ray up there. We put him up. We had him as part of the food and wine. He's going to do fine. I mean, he, he's got other restaurants and I'm sure he'll, you know, I'm hoping and praying he'll do fine. But to hear of such an important restaurant like that, or even Tuamec or Bon Temp and Auburn. I had my, my last meal in a restaurant before the pandemic. I think, I think we were one of the last customers 
at a at the brunch right before everything closed down. So it's yeah, I mean it's it's devastating in a way. It's really well, and whether patrons realize it or not, it's devastating for them as well. Losing losing these restaurants, losing these institutions is going to affect us culturally in such a negative yeah. way. You know, it affects neighborhoods, it affects relationships, it, it affects, it, it has so much reach, you know, not only, not of course, there's the job aspect of it, and not only people that are working in restaurants, but the supply chain, farmers and linen people and flower people and recruiters, podcast guys like you, you know, it, it affects it affects everybody. Well, and you have an interesting vantage point, right? Because you are the behind the scenes guy. You are attached to almost every major restaurant and restaurant group to some capacity uh, in the city and also nationally. I want to ask you and then Jackie to follow up, but what do you see? What, do you, what are you hearing? And then Jackie, I want to hear from the candidates' perspectives too. What does it look like now? And what is the outlook on the future? Of course, it's very, very tough. Some, some places are doing pretty well with the takeout or the patio action. You know, there's some restaurants like, for example, you know, the Rose Cafe, you know, they're doing a very good you know, take a uh, patio business. They, they're built for that. They're, they have some gorgeous patio. Another client of ours is Vespertine and they're, they're doing great. They're doing so many, you know, these amazing to-go meals, you know, complicated, beautiful meals. Um, I did the vegetarian one a few days ago and it was phenomenal. Did you pick um, it up at the spaceship or was it yeah, delivered to your house? I believe you have to pick it. Everybody has to pick it up there at a certain time, you know, you book a time slot, picked it up, came home. It was, it was amazing. Uh, so many places are just, just squeaking by. And a lot of them, they're almost doubting, you know, is it worth it to stay in business and do 20, 30, 40% of what they were doing, you know, but then again, one reason why a lot of them do it, and I really, really respect this is because the undocumented workers cannot get unemployment. You know, I've definitely heard from a bunch of restaurants that are specifically staying in business so that they can keep the undocumented workers employed, which again, comes back to what I was saying before, is that it's such an incredible industry to see how people come together and do that. You know, is it paying their rent? You know, some of it, it's barely paying their rent. Some of them, it's not. Some of them are just getting by with, you know, a skeleton skeleton crew, and they are making enough to barely pay the rent. The rent is the big sort of um, determining factor. If you ask, you know, a bunch of these restaurants why they close, if you took the rent component out of the picture, I bet a lot of them could just stay in hibernation and basically just be, be stay in hibernation and then open up later and start paying rent. But if you look at it, here's looking at you mentioned some of this when they announced that they were most likely, you know, going to be closing for good. But I believe mm-hmm. they talked about even if you are given, you know, some time off on your rent, but you owe it later, right? If you, at the end of the day, five, six, eight months from now, owe eight months of rent. It's debt. It's just straight debt. It's crushing debt. How are you ever going to pay that back? You're not. So at that point, if you're not getting any break on rent, you're sort of screwed. How do you even stay in business? Do you hear anything from restaurateurs regarding the opportunities? Is anybody going, oh man, there's going to be so much real estate? Because again, like coming from a recruiter's position, is anyone talking about, oh, well, shit, in six months, we're going to ramp up and we're so excited. We think we're going to be able to expand in a huge way. Do you hear that optimism? A few people are saying that. A few companies, you know, there's a there's one company that, you know, I, I really like, can't say who they are, but they're basically using this opportunity to complete to, to renegotiate their rent. 
they're like, we're not paying rent. We're telling that to our, our landlords. And we were, we've been renegotiating them, all of them, for a brand new, you know, a whole new rent situation. And then, yeah, there's some people saying, when, when we come out of this, there's going to be so many open spaces, we'll be able to get locations, you know, at pennies on the dollar. There's definitely going to be some truth to that. And I think that that is one bright light to look at at the end of this, because there will be locations of it. This is going to change the real estate restaurant game many, many years. So that aspect will change the whole financial dynamic of opening a restaurant, right? So if you can get in, if you can get in where it used to be half a million dollars for key money. You then have to go through and right. renovate it, acquire the rest of the permits, clean it, staff it, train it. Right. Maybe buy a liquor license. Yeah. Buy equipment, the whole deal. Whereas if you had to do that and you put in another 500000 let's say, you know, in six months or a year from now, you can pick up a location with no key money and a much better lease. That changes what you can do there and the kind of money that you can make. So long, long term, there will be opportunity, I think. Well, and from a candidate's perspective, Jackie, I, I would assume that the, this has been a great realization. Yelp is saying that you're looking at a 60% closure rate nationally. And you've got a sea of candidates, right? What is the job market looking like today? What is it looking like in the near term? And how many people are just, you know, using this as an opportunity for self-reflection and saying, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze anymore? Yeah, I think we've certainly seen some of that, you know, where these managers and chefs are taking this time for introspection and they're looking at what they want to be doing personally and professionally. The conversations have been extremely positive, actually, over these last few months. Everyone has this feeling of we're all in this together. This didn't just happen to me. It happened to everyone. And it's sort of a situation that's out of our control. So I think everyone has remained quite positive. As we've mentioned earlier, there's a great sense of togetherness and community, which has been really special. And I'm inspired by it every day having conversations with candidates who just enjoy, you know, the geek out on talking about hospitality and food. And even though they're not working, you know, you can see that passion. But I think that certainly we'll start to see, um, you know, those people who were kind of on the fence and this wasn't the end all be all for them. This is their chance to get out, you know, and I think we're seeing that there are job opportunities out there. You know, we're not seeing a ton of them, you know, we may have been working on, you know, at our company, 100 positions in March, and now we're working on 10. But we still have, you know, 10 or, you know, 15 things that we're working on. And if you look at the job boards and hospitality, there are companies that are hiring for servers and hosts and bartenders, managers, chefs, culinary directors. So the opportunities are there. Um, the talent pool is larger than it's ever been. We were definitely suffering for talent heading into March. So there are a lot of really great talented uh, candidates out there for employers to select from. Well, and that's the big bright spot, right? Is that it's it's now a buyer's world. And so I can't tell you how many posts I put up for a dishwasher, like how desperate I was to just get like one full-time dishwasher in. But the same is true for the higher ranking positions as well. The market was so competitive and people used to hop from place to place to place. Do, do you see that dynamic changing in the future based off past experience and what you're seeing in the market? Yeah, I mean, I do think so. And I also think that there are going to be just opportunities that weren't there before uh, to work in amazing restaurants, you know, where we maybe weren't seeing opportunities with a chef like Josiah Citrin or a Curtis Stone, 
that, you know, these young managers who want to get their foot in the door will have those opportunities. Um, I've definitely seen in, in having conversations with candidates that there's been a little bit of an exodus from Los Angeles in some cases. So there are managers and chefs who are not coming back and they're hunkering down with families. And so I do think that there will be opportunities. And I think that when things open up, it's going to be fast and furious also when the restaurants are ready to go, that there are going to be a lot of jobs opening all at once. And the sooner, the better. And now I, I don't want to let you guys go without plugging the LA Chefs Conference. Brad, I want the background on like how that started, uh, what, what the grand idea was behind it. Um, well, again, comes back to my obsessions and passions. You know, I've traveled. I've been to the, uh, the uh, Star Chef Chef Congress in New York a few times. I've been to Aspen Food and Wine. I've been to Eat, Eat Drink SF. I've been to James Beard Awards. And I really felt that there was never anything in L.A that compared even close to that. Basically, when the LA Times were, was starting up uh, the Food Bowl about four years ago, I have an incredible relationship with them. Um, and I reached out to, to them for an industry-specific event tied into the Food Bowl. So we did, four years ago, we did um, a one-session industry event on, uh, I forget the name of it. It was um, the industry, the Labor Crisis Summit we held. And it was at the Fairmont Hotel in Santa Monica. And it was basically just that one session. And we had Josh Loeb and some other really great restaurateurs on that panel. Okay. We had hundreds of restaurateurs come. And it was, I believe it was the only industry specific as opposed to consumer event of the whole LA Times Food Bowl. So people really started hearing about it. And the James Beard Foundation heard about it. Food and Wine Magazine heard about it. I started discussions with them quickly after that, the 2019 event. So we started planning for 2020 and we had March 30th as the date. We were all set to go. We had scheduled David Kinch to come up. We were going to preview uh, this incredible movie that he did. Chris Costow from Metawood was coming. Tracy Desjardins, Charlie Palmer, Enrique Olvera. And this is just the out-of-town chefs, okay? Mm -hmm. So then we had... All the big LA chefs from Curtis, Jeremy Fox, Josiah, Brooke Williamson, Sherry Yard, could go on and on and on, Tim Hollingsworth. And we had some fantastic sponsors, you know, Open Table, California Restaurant Association. And of course, we had to cancel. So that was devastating. We were so excited, Josh. I mean, we had the whole program, okay, the whole day planned, right, with all these seminars and sessions and a huge, it was, it was not only going to be an industry conference, but it was going to be a food festival too. It was a little devastating, you know, to, to have to cancel that. And we, um, we were definitely considering doing a virtual event, but after talking to a lot of friends in the industry and um, the sponsors, we just decided it wasn't the right thing to do. So we're just going to, you know, we're going to start to plan the 2021 event as soon as we can see that there's a safe date to do that. Jackie, I want to follow up with you. There's a, there are a bunch of people listening. I'm sure you have CDCs, executive SUs, general managers, AGMs listening as we speak. What is your advice to them if they want to secure employment post-pandemic? What, what are the things that they can do to give them the best shot getting a great job. Well, I think this is a wonderful time to network. And, you know, even if there may not be a position, an actual position to reach out to people who they know in the industry, mentors, people who they've looked up to, who they've worked with, and really 
start those conversations because I think from those conversations come opportunities. But also, as I mentioned earlier, there are jobs out there. Check the job boards. There's culinary agents. There's Indeed. LinkedIn is an amazing resource uh, for respected industry professionals to share ideas and opportunities. Um, So I think you know, taking this time. And I know not everyone at, you know, a a lower level or an entry level manager or entry level chef may feel that they need a LinkedIn profile, but I think it's helpful to have to represent themselves and take the time to buff out their profile or spruce up their resume, which is something that we've helped candidates do during this time and take that, take the opportunity to network. There are definitely jobs out there. Like Jackie was saying, there's a lot of jobs out there. Um, And even if something's not being posted, if you're in the business and you have some restaurants that you really would like to work at, whatever position it may be, I encourage you to get aggressive, do anything you need to, to get your resume looked at by those owners or those chefs. Even if it's going by those restaurants, you know, with a mask, of course, and proper protocol, it's almost like the same as it's always been. You know, the advice I give is, you know, if you're aggressive and you, you know, go that extra yard to get noticed, you're, you're automatically going to stand well above you know, 95% of the people that basically are just responding to ads, which is fine. You got to go and take what you want. You know, if you have a, a wish list, like I want to work at Providence, I want to work at, you know, fishing with dynamite or whatever it may be, right? Go and get those jobs, you know, go and go and, you know, Give your resume to the chef, you know, send, send your resume, you know, via, via mail in a, in a very unique, you know, presentation, you know, with beautiful stationery and an amazing envelope and an amazing thoughtful cover letter. Not a cover letter that you would write to everyone and just cut and paste the name of the restaurant. But if you want to go work for David LeFevre, right, explain why. Maybe you've been to all of his restaurants. You were blown away by the, the food the dishes you had at this place or that place or whatever it may be. You followed his career. You knew he worked for Charlie, Charlie Trotter and you followed his career when he came to LA and got a Michelin star at Water Grill or whatever, whatever it may be. But if you do that, I guarantee you, if you mail that letter, cover letter with your resume, no matter what's on the resume, but if it's thoughtful and unique and it stands out, even if he doesn't have a position, there's a very good chance he's going to call you because he's going to want to know you. Because he knows there will be a position coming up at some point in time, and he wants that resume and your number in his back pocket. So people that are just sitting at home and responding to ads here and there and just not really doing anything above and beyond, they're not the ones that are going to get the job. And they're not the ones that that owner is going to say, wow, that's the kind of person who takes initiative and goes after what they want. I want them here with me. That's the kind of person I want on my team. I'm going to make a position for them. You know what I mean? I, I do. I, I've hired people that I didn't have a position for simply because you're, you're I believe. You, you, yeah, absolutely. I've done it myself. When, when quality walks through the door, unless it's in the middle of my Friday dinner push, I am always interested in hearing. And if I may add to that, I mean, I can definitely say firsthand from speaking with our clients that they have been willing to, to interview candidates that we have presented to them, even though we're not working on a position, but because we have the relationship with them, they love to have these conversations with great, talented managers and chefs. 
the quality of your people is going to determine the success of this entire industry mm-hmm. moving forward. It's, I, I, I think the days of, of blindly hiring as labor continues to skyrocket as we come out of this pandemic, I think people are going to be looking at every single position and evaluating, mm-hmm. is this the absolute best person to serve my food? Is this the absolute best person to tend bar? You'll be vetting dishwashers as hard as you vet your executive team, 100%. At the conclusion of every episode, I like to give the guest an opportunity to speak directly to the industry. Um, is there anything you guys would like to say? Well, I would say, you know, continue to stay positive. Um, we are in this together. We have, our community has been so resilient. Continue, as I mentioned earlier, just to, to reach out to those in the industry who you know, uh, maybe those who you don't know, as we've suggested, uh, because we are a very, very strong community and we will get through this. And there is a future for restaurants. We may not know exactly what that looks like or when that will happen, but I think a lot of uh, thought, you know, we have a lot of thought leaders and there's a lot of innovation and creativity that has been happening during this time. And uh, we're going to have a bright future. Brad, anything to add? No, I agree. I mean, the reality is, and it's important to acknowledge, it's a very, very tough time. And I'm sure a lot of people are having a hard time personally as well, you know, because it's a, it's a hard and often depressing time. And I think it's important not to brush that over. It's important to, to feel those feelings, you know, and be honest and genuine in what's going on. When you see so many restaurants close, it's very heartbreaking. However, there will be a better day. There will be opportunity. There will be great opportunity. That's Brad and Jackie from BMRS Hospitality Recruitment. If you're looking for a job, looking to expand your restaurant's team, or looking for a chef for a private event, go to restaurant-solutions.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.